Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Chris. And I'm Dr. Lauren. And today is our last episode of season six. Woo! Right? I mean, gosh, we, we've now dedicated two seasons to Andy Nordgren's Nine Principles of Relationship Anarchy. And so we're going to close off this season uh, by talking about letting go of perfection when practicing relationship anarchy. Yeah, and one of the reasons we wanted to make sure we covered this is because it's so easy to get hung up on almost recreating the relationship escalator, those kind of pressures of, oh, there must be a right next step, or there must be a correct way to do this, even if it's not a progression. And we just really want to encourage people to not put that pressure on themselves and recognize that you know relationship anarchy principles are all about self-awareness, community awareness, and adaptation. So there kind of can't be a gold standard of exactly how you do it, only that you're engaging in that reflection. Yeah, and I think a lot of that can come from like, you know, we there's this sort of gold standard in the relationship escalator in the heteronormative monogamous world that that's the the one way only escalator is there and instead yeah. we're trying to come up with like oh what's another good analogy or metaphor or whatever the word is for those things um and i at first envisioned a meadow because meadows change with seasons they look different right like that they're different colors when the weather gets colder there's different elements there's different flowers and birds and bugs and everything just kind of like it's just all different and it's and meadows are just sort of open and vast in this beautiful way um and now i'm like envisioning like some kind of weird frolicky fairy tale creature like I know. through the meadow but like just no, That's I see where it. where I was getting through with that, I guess. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I love the visual of a big, of a vast meadow and, and again, like that notion of the openness, right, I think is really key for when we talk about relationship anarchy, that there's not some prescription of what it has to be or what it has to include. And I think we also want to acknowledge that there might be constraints depending on where the meadow is. It's going to have an ecosystem, right? And so those mm -hmm. within an ecosystem logic, there's things that are working together and supporting each other to make the whole thing stay healthy and alive and grow and shift over time and all of that. And so I think that adding the layer of the meadow and also thinking about the ecosystem that underlies the meadow to keep it healthy. Um, I think we can really draw on that when we think about relationship anarchy uh, and, and what it can look like in our lives that we really have to think about, okay, so the, the butterfly doesn't need the same thing as the bird and the, um, you know, native plants don't need the same thing as, I don't know, the bear, if there's a bear in our ego, in our meadow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sure. But yeah, exactly. But if, yeah, and if one of those things goes away, so if one of your relationships dissolves, it does impact the rest yeah. of your ecosystem. So it, like that, yeah. yeah, I like that sort of thing where everything, there is that interdependent connection on different, yeah. on different things. So yeah. In, and in both like a beautiful freeing way of we're not in this alone, we are able, the whole logic of relationship anarchy is to see ourselves in deeper networks of support, love and care. And so, you know, we, we want to recognize that and celebrate that possibility and how that might um, create less pressure on each one of our relationships and on us as individuals being part of the network. Um, that there's lots of interdependence and you can still, you know, the whole uh, network can like lean to the left because someone is has less resources and then lean to the right as it shifts, right? That kind of adaptation. I love that I am almost just did a college chant. Yeah, and <laughs> also uh, for those of yeah. you, uh, well, none of you can see because we don't videotape these things, but Lauren just like kind of- Literally leaned. To, <laughs> to demonstrate what left and right were. So um, we're, we're moving with our, with our, uh, really our windy meadow ecosystem oh. sort of thing. And, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think, you know, and again, I'll stop the meadow, meadow metaphor soon enough, but like the idea that, right, like some of the, some of the components of it, you know, might look, might appear to be more important or shinier or like more prominent and every, every piece of it has a key role yeah. to sort of, to sort of play. And so that's, yeah, so that's really where we're getting at. And at the same time, I guess it's sort of like not getting caught up right in the perfection. So we're like, we're trying to make this meadow even like a perfect metaphor and it's, it's just not going to be. No. Right? So you, you practice the principles of relationship anarchy in ways that work for you and work in your life, um, especially in a, in a society and, a, and that doesn't support this model. So there's yeah. so many barriers, right, to practicing relationship anarchy in our society. And so it's challenging to adopt and practice these principles, right? Yeah. So like, even if we wanted to say, here's the best way, like if we were going to say, we're creating the perf perfect relationship anarchy guidebook, um, then here's what you have to do. Relationship anarchy is, you know, the, the pressures of how we've um, written uh monogamous partnerships into tax code um uh rights with insurance or housing or visitation in the hospital parental rights it's all built on the logic of usually just one person being connected to you and all of those things and any deviation from that like raises red flags for some government entities well that's not great you know the in this way, the government's like a little invasive species in your meadow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and and yeah, yeah, I think I've talked about this in another episode, but I have a, a colleague who lives with a couple of other families uh, and, you know, because housing costs are expensive, but when they were trying to figure out how to like divvy up the mortgage and make people legally responsible, and when they were trying to uh, put several families on a car um, car insurance policy, like they couldn't. Yeah. Like they, they couldn't do this sort of co-ownership of a house very easily. 
They couldn't figure out how to get car insurance to work in this multifamily system. And so yeah. there are ways that the sort of systemic barriers are really real yeah. in, in doing these things as these people were, you know, trying to customize commitments and, and doing that, those kinds of pieces of relationship anarchy. And then when they tried to do it, society went, you know, gave them the middle finger. They were just like, they're like, nope, can't do it that way. So. Do you know anything about how they coped with that experience of butting up against the, the system? They, I mean, the car insurance was a standstill. They couldn't figure that out. How uh, did they cope with finding out about that oh, though? Like feelings they, wise. Oh, yeah. they, I mean, I've only talked to one person in this okay, relationship. Fair. And so they, I mean, there was frustration and anger. Yeah. I think were the two pieces that I got from our conversation. Um, and, and it was, uh, like, this wasn't something that was just happening. They were just sharing an experience with me. And so, um, if I'm remembering the, the conversation correctly, there's a little bit of bitter resignation, I guess, yeah. is like a, sort of a way to put it. Like, they're like, this is how it has to be. And so, you know, they, they, they sort of let, like, some people are driving the car under the guise of they're just borrowing it every once in a while, Ugh. you know, that kind of thing because they, they can't do it any other way. And so, I mean, I think really wanting to be clear that when we're saying we're, we're connecting this back to perfection or gold standard, but it's also about what ideals we might have, like creating an ideal network and an ideal way it would function and the loss of the ideal when you can't experience it because of the systems like your friends are describing, you know, it's, a, it's okay to be mad and grieve and have whatever feelings you need to. And I can't remember what principle this is, but going back to thinking through, where's your support network? Because when we're yeah, doing this, yeah. when we're practicing a whole way of connecting and supporting each other that runs contrary to the entire organization of a society, we're going to hit those barriers. And not being alone in processing that and recognizing that this society wasn't built for you Um you know, that's the queer folks. We've been creating community among each other because we feel so alienated often. You know, it's some places are better than others, but generally we're all aware of the relationship escalator and its heteronormative roots. So um, having people you can talk to about how that feels and supporting each other, um, making sense of it and how you're going to navigate those barriers. I just want to re-encourage paying attention to your support network. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that the one of the principles this reminds me of is the some culture blows but don't let fear lead you yeah kind of idea it's just like yep this culture this insurance culture blows <laughs> and keep on keeping on and yeah sorry for any insurance agents that might be listening but it's you know it's really difficult to to manage um, yeah but yeah and, but and also I, yeah go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, and I, it's just some, again, some of this is so ludicrous, right? Like it's, it just continuously speaks to who we believe is making real commitments in a society or should be making real commitments. And by real, I mean, ones that are going to be backed by the government. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the idea that it's only one person, I just, it, I, I don't know. It makes me think about all the pressure in the news right now. There's tons of news articles, um, and, you know, we're in 2023 right now. So anyone who wants to go back and look at what was in the news around when this was recorded. Don't um, do it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. 
but the pressure around marriage, like people are calling for folks to get married. You know, there's, there's a whole, uh, set of arguments and the ways that is economically beneficial and all the things. And yet, if you actually talk to people about their experience of relationships, when they're pressured to marry young, to stay married, all of those things, we know how bad that can be for people. And so it's like economics are not the only story, friends. And, you know, marriage isn't doing <laughs> so much great uh, support for all people as a structure. So just, again, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm just down a rabbit hole, but it just, it's really frustrating to exist in a society that's like, no, 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 you have to be more binary. You have to be more married. You have to be more, you yeah. know, on the, get on the dang escalator, everyone. It's like, if that's our political argument for economic justice, yikes. Yeah. Well, right. There's that, there's that piece. And then there's also a lot of research that says married people are happier and really what it's drawing on, I think, is that it's people with a, a consistent social uh, social support network, mm-hmm. right? Or people that feel loved, people that, because, you know, there's the, you know, especially as we're sort of, you know, dealing with the sort of post-COVID, but we're not over COVID pandemic stuff, there's all this literature and surgeon general warnings and everything about loneliness right and so one of the keys supposedly to less to less loneliness is is marriage and it is for a lot of people right like that is that sort of anchor and foundation and it's not the only way because really what the issue is is that people are more socially disconnected than ever and that's really what's i think driving this sort of marriage piece too yeah, like I think the point that maybe we both want to make about this is it's not so much about the name marriage, it's about what it what underlies it and what yeah. need that what what uh need in humans that's scratching or a, a the itch it's scratching or the the lack that if we haven't found those kinds of connections, we can get really sick. That Surgeon General's report that just came out, um we'll link to it in the show notes. It's you know, it's really important stuff to be talking about. Social connectedness is crucial to human well-being. Um, and so love, thankfully, adopting relationship anarchy really amplifies your social connectedness and encourages you to maintain multiple relationships. So yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 so, you know, shifting from the sort of societal norm piece and societal pressures, there can be sort of, there's like more independent or inner like interpersonal like pressures and things as well like I mean you've even heard Lauren and I say things like on the in the podcast like a best friend or something and so again back to this idea of purism in relationship anarchy or something where there's not supposed to be hierarchies um yeah you're still going to call people your best friends uh a silly sort of extreme of this is that some people either, you know, inside because you're like, but wait, no hierarchy might mean, you know, in that sort of hypothetical scenario where you've got like somebody you love is drowning next to somebody who's a stranger is drowning. And in some philosophical systems or whatever you call them beliefs, uh, you're supposed to like flip a coin to decide who you're going to save. And we're not saying that relationship anarchy is like, yes, flip a coin. Who knows? You're going to go after the person that's in your support network. So 
in a way there are some hierarchies what we what you know practicing relationship anarchy what it means is that the person that you are in a marriage with if you are or living with if you are kind of idea is not necessarily your number your quote unquote number one that that's yeah. not the default that your nesting partner or whoever you know you're you're sharing a home with or sharing some other big life issue or event with is not right. necessarily the person that's going to be your be all end all yeah i mean i think it's it's hard to exist in a society that wants to ask for labels or where we've just been socialized to use certain kinds of labels, right? We don't have a huge, vast language for talking about our relationships beyond partner, married partner, with maybe a couple adjectives around that, <laughs> um, yeah. best friend, right, to signify a more, um, more meaningful, perhaps, relationship or deeper connection in that. Right? Like those are the words we have right now. And until there's other language that helps us speak quickly <laughs> about our network, this is really hard. And so I think this is one of those moments, again, we don't want to, we're not encouraging anyone to go all extreme and like put someone down because, oh, you said best. Like this isn't about policing each other. It's about checking in and supporting each other and making sure we are attuned to the nature of our relationships and how we're connecting um, and not losing track or falling into an escalator situation. But it's not about perfection or policing, yeah. it's support. Right. And sometimes it's just right. Labels can be super convenient ways to describe others and people will autofill their own frameworks of how relationships work onto your, yep. or like in, in my case, like mine. And so they'll see me with a certain person and they assume that that person is a is like quote unquote my partner yeah. or you know like or you know my sweetie and instead of being like well no really what they are is and then starting to explain and then three hours later like you know <laughs> getting down to what who that person is in my life and what they mean to me yeah like uh, you know like first of all no one needs to hear all of it um whether it's because of like we were talking about last episode two episodes yeah ago? last yeah last like, episode who deserves to know yeah. Also, not everyone wants to stick around for the whole stinking story, right? Like, right. it's just, you know, it's just like, so when somebody's like, oh, you know, how's, you know, like I, you know, at an office party or at some other kind of event and I bring a person and then they're like, and they see me affectionate towards them and then they go, oh, how's your sweetie doing? I'm like, yeah. first of all, I think about like, who did they see me with last? Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're great. Like, they're fine. Like, or whatever, that kind of thing. Cause, um, even though I probably would say they're great and fine anyway, because if that person doesn't really know who they are, I'm not going to. Yeah. What else are you going to say? Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, like, but it's sweet that they're asking, right? Like, you know, they're, they, they're sort of, you know, checking in with me as a person and that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's difficult to navigate those situations without using labels or sort of, you know, correcting people. Um, yeah. And we have, you know, we talked about it before. Like I do relationships differently or, yeah. you know, like if you want to get into it kind of phrasing. And I think, um, you know, again, this goes back to the pressure of, you know, wanting to make clear that you're a relationship. Like sometimes when we adopt a model that doesn't fit with the norm, we can have this moment of, 
uh, it's tied to identity development stuff where you really want people to know who you are and see you correctly. And I think there's an invitation to explore that, right? Like if someone doesn't know you're a relationship anarchist, does that change who you are in the world? If there's a way that does change a relationship with someone, then that's something to attend to. But if it's the rando who sits by the copier at an office party, is that important? Does it does it change anything for you? And again, yeah. some people may be activists and want to tell everyone and that's fine, right? But just again, that invitation to say like no one else's perception of us validates our lived experience or our way of living and being attentive to when we feel that pressure, where is that that pressure to name ourselves and explain and like, where does that come from? And is it serving you is yeah. an opportunity. And, yeah. And also it's, you know, it's possible to be in a, like essentially have ridden the escalator, but done so intentionally in that yeah. way of looking at things. Uh, and again, like you can still practice, you know, like things like uh, customizing commitments, you can still, you know, change through communication, the nature of your relationship. Um, you can still, you know, I, I encourage everybody, no matter what kind of relationship structures you have to find your core relationship values, right? Absolutely. Right. Like all those things are, you know, one of the, you know, these are all principles of relationship anarchy and they can are just kind of principles of relationships in general. Yeah. To, you know, like, I mean, not like don't lead with entitlement, you know, like, yeah, let's, yeah. yes, please. <laughs> all, all relationships this could be relevant to. And yeah. So like, of course, our goal is to support people identifying more deeply with the concept and again, building like networks and webs or whatever, or making sure the meadow has all the species that you're that you need to be in a healthy ecosystem for yourself. Um, and so we love that idea of thinking through what is what does that look like for you? And what relationships do you have? And how do you want all of that to work? both through your values and alongside the people you're you're in you're connected to and just as you were Chris was saying like yep any person could pick up these principles and modify them to be just focused on a romantic sexual relationship or you could just be focusing on applying this in a friendship i mean i think these principles are wise like andy create wrote down things that really matter about how we relate to one another and disrupting harmful practices that can happen in a one-on-one -on -one connection or in the way we structure our lives, right? It, or both. Um, yeah. And so we're not saying only people who want the big network and to do relationship anarchy, like this isn't saying only they can listen to or apply these concepts and principles. Yeah. And, and again, sort of back to the, like with the Surgeon General's, um, Surgeon General's report about the epidemic of loneliness, uh, you know, and dovetailing that with the the marriage research that's been percolating around. So has that relation, like, so has um, a lot of research and stuff on friendship and the power of friendship. Yep. And so, you know, nothing gets in my craw more than the phrase just friends. Ugh. Because, right. Blah. So. Oh, let's that, explain that though. We can't just make our little sounds of irritation. So okay. All right. So yeah. when you say just friends, it makes it sound like friendship is secondary yep. to some like a romantic 
uh, and or sexual partner or some kind of, you know, monogamous marriage situation. And, you know, that is something that, you know, for me personally, uh, I, I, that is not part of my core relationship values is that uh, my friendships are just as important, if not more important than, than a person that I'm in a sexual and or romantic relationship with. That yeah. my friendships are the, are the, are the things that, you know, keep me going and, and drive me. So when someone will say to me like, oh, I thought they were your partner, oh, you're just friends. I'm like, well, let me, that's what Let's... I will push back. I will say yeah. like, well, no, this person's exceedingly important in my life just because we're not doing know, it. Yeah. Having genital contact or whatever kind of idea. <laughs> and, and it's just, and right. And then how does that really undermine, you know, any, like, or not any, but some, um, asexual identities, some asexual right. identities. Where it's like, what yep. does that mean to have just to be just friends? Like, how does that even, how does that manifest as, as a thing? I don't know. Well, and I think, you know, again, we have language fails right now. So hopefully we'll keep developing better words that feel more descriptive and we'll, you know, not to say dismantle, but dismantle the... <laughs> The escalator and heteronormativity and all the, you know, monog um, compulsory monogamy, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think it's, you know, this is just something to also pay attention to the ways, again, not that we're trying to seek perfection, but just looking for those subtle ways that those pressures show up in our lives, because it can be helpful to then be like, oh, yeah, that's undermining my value system. I want to be attentive to that, or I want to be careful in that setting or whatever. So listening to things like just friends as a, a way of describing something, you know, it's, we're both annoyed by it and it can be a cue um, to be, be present, be careful, you know, noticing how does this stuff seep into our lives and reinforce the relationship escalator over and over and over. Yeah. Right. And how are, right. How do you like interact in the world in ways that are difficult because there's a policy that assumes something so if you're yeah. a single person where you know where do you feel like discriminated against or punished because of like you don't have another a, a plus one so to speak um that going on and where some people then might feel some kind of weird like oh you poor person you you know you're not complete or like there's this kind of thing or even if you're feeling sort of a loneliness attached to the fact that you're not attached so to you know like where is that Our coming yeah. from and, and what's you know what's what's happening and how is that being you know how's that being either put on you through societal expectations or what are the expectations you have about how the world works that's yeah and I think even paying attention to language like attached right you don't have someone you're attached to well we hope you oh, have yeah. attachments in other kinds of relationships and just maybe aren't attached romantically or sexually and you happen to want that or just people are judging you because you don't have it even if you don't want that which is yeah. pretty terrible when that either or both and can be really hard to confront and 
I, again, everyone has to figure out their own words for how they want to talk about their life, where you want to correct people. And the invitation I think from us is there's again, no perfect way. (laughs) And that paying attention to how you feel, what you experience and giving yourself space to, you know, make sense of what you're living through and observe and you know, we talk a lot about mindfulness. I don't know that we've brought it as much into the podcast, but, you know, that practice of just taking stock and noticing and being in the present can really help us stay in the moment so that we can approach our relationships from this grounded place when we're existing in a world that's making it really hard to do this kind of practice and can be undermining you, um, which relates to some of the other principles around, you know, society sucks and uh, the what was the other, there's a couple more that this relates to as well of like practice, practice, practice. We're just, you know, going to keep trying to be as well as we can and pursue this in a healthy way. Um, that helps us grow in our individual and collective well-being. Yeah. Well, I love the, the idea of also being mindful in relationships and being in that moment, because then you're very present with the person you're with. Yeah. So instead of really being like, oh, maybe I should be with this other person right now or whatever, you're with the person you're with at that moment and you're in that moment and you're together with that person. And so that is that's special. And that's what's meaningful now because it's happening now. So I think there's a lot of beauty in that, too. uh, So that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many ways my having a having a practice of mindfulness and just getting used to slowing yourself down and staying exactly where you are. Like some of us really have to practice at that. It's hard. Like I my brain always is jumping to like the next 16 things I need to do. And um, so it takes work to do that. And I think also when we have messages from society or people in our lives or whatever, if they're rattling around in the back of our mind, when we're sharing space with people we love that can also be a detraction from the space we're sharing. And so when we have a strategy of like, I am setting all of that down, whether you wanna call it mindfulness or not, um, but I'm setting all that nonsense down, it, it will wait. I'm gonna be as focused as I can in this current moment and just, you know, enjoy it. Yeah, well, unplugging, right, too? Like being tethered to your cell phone or, you know, checking emails or, or social media or whatever every millisecond too because that's that's seeking and and looking for other types of connections when you are in a connection at at that very moment so like that's another yeah so yeah i mean so again we're talking about a lot of practices people can try we're not saying it's going to be perfect for anyone at no point is this about perfection it's about practicing a lot you know trying on new ways, working and listening to the people you're in relationships with, um, and also continuing to stay grounded in your own values and needs in these practices um, so that you can keep adjusting and, you know, do things a little differently when when it's right. Yeah. So we hope we've left you this, closing this season with some thoughts, some ideas, maybe some practical things, hopefully some practical things, but at least some reflections uh, on relationship anarchy and how it may, like how it may fit in your life. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. 
If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at beforeyouswipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.